The most important lesson is to hire the best people. The top performers outperform the average by five to 10 times as much. So for those who think they can't afford to hire the best, you can't afford not to. Welcome to the Marketing Boost Solutions Podcast. Join host Marco Torres, co-founder of MarketingBoost.com, along with expert guests as they deliver incredible proven solutions to your marketing challenges in each power-packed episode. Captain Marco has guided thousands of entrepreneurs, growing their sales and marketing through the use of value-add incentives. His Facebook groups are home to more than 84,000 entrepreneurs who are raking in sales with his advice. Get ready to be blown away with game-changing lessons for your business. Welcome to another episode of the Marketing Boost Solutions Podcast. I'm excited to bring you a guest who has recently been using Marketing Boost services for the last uh, couple of months, from what I understand. Uh, we've, he found out about Marketing Boost by first having me as a guest on his podcast, and now he's a uh, thrilled member of Marketing Boost, and I want to talk to him. You're going to hear his success story, an amazing business he operates. We're talking to Mike Kading. Mike is a CEO of No Heart, a No Heart design builds and rents apartments. He is transforming the way apartments are built and managed by incorporating technologies and efficiencies that have revolutionized other industries and led to high quality cost effective projects. His mission is to solve America's housing shortage by transforming the way apartments are built and managed and in doing so, He'll improve the way we all live. Welcome, Mike, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. My pleasure, Mike. It was fun to be on your show a while back. Uh, and uh, now you're here with us. So, you know, you mentioned before we actually started recording that you've been uh, using the Marketing Boost incentives and and having some, some, nice, uh, some nice hits with it. But let's talk about that first. Tell us how you started using Marketing Boost incentives and what you found. Yeah, so the big thing we're working on right now is raising capital. So what we ended up doing was we had an email list of people that were interested or have already invested capital with us. We just blasted that email list with a promotion offering a free vacation if they invest an additional $5,000. And it was shocking how many people took us up on that offer and we were able, able to raise a lot more capital. So that was one. Another one now is we've added it to the sales funnel. One of the challenges we have had with raising capital is that we don't have a deadline. There's nothing like timely or urgent about that process. But now with the marketing boost, we've got a 10-day timeline to make that investment. And if you make it within that timeline, you'll get this amazing offer, this free vacation. Then the last way we use it right now is the savings coupon or a discount voucher that we give people for leaving us a review. Again, we had to build those reviews, build that know, like, and trust. And it was hard to get people to actually leave those reviews. But now that we're offering them something of value in return for that review, we're seeing a much higher conversion ratio. This has been a tool that I wish I have had had years ago. So I'm so glad to at least have it now. That's powerful. Powerful, Mike. We were also talking before we're going live about how you could even use these. Uh, uh, you said, yeah, phase two, you might start using some of these incentives to 
encourage your renters to apply or to renew their lease and, and stuff like that that you might implement as well. Uh, is that, that what I understood earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when uh, we have lease renewals coming up, offering them a free vacation for renewing that lease. Another big one is just when they're signing the lease to begin with, offering, instead of offering half month off rent, which gets to be expensive for us, if we can offer something that feels similarly in value, the $1,500 vacation package, they're likely to convert as well. So I am super excited to try it out in that part of our business. Cool. Now, if you're a real in the real estate industry listening there, uh, uh, you know, as the developer, I would imagine there's more, there's less, uh, you probably have more flexibility to offer incentive to, to, uh, to take action with a transaction like signing a lease or what have you. There may be rules for realtors out there or, or real, you know, real estate agents, uh, that won't let you, you know, that you need to be careful on how you use the incentives. Just an FYI where, you know, that these are things you may need to look at with your broker, et cetera. But uh, because we do know that in most states, uh, offering an incentive that is uh, tied to a transaction in real estate can, you know, sometimes be against the rules. So just an FYI, look into that, you know, and sometimes, you know, if you make it, for example, what we, we teach a lot of real, uh, real estate to folks is uh, offer the incentive whether they take action or not. So, for example, you could say, you know, hey, get a just apply to uh, or jump on a Zoom call with me to find out what your, you know, how I might serve your real estate needs. And uh, just for your time, whether we do business together or not, I'm going to give you a $500 hotel savings card uh, or a house, you know, what gift house, rather a uh, housewarming gift after they make the purchase, et cetera. So there's a million ways to skin these cats using marketing boost incentives. Mike, back to the subject of you and your business, Mike, uh, how did you get into the idea of developing, I mean, by the way, those of you listening, his business is now valued at, um, the valuation is at over $200 million. So he's built quite an operation with, uh, how many apartment complexes have you built or how many do you have, how many units? Yeah, we have over a thousand units today. And really the heart of it, what we're trying to do is work to solve America's housing affordability crisis. See, so if you look at this industry over the past uh, 60 years, other industries like manufacturing have improved labor productivity by 760%. When construction's done nothing. Now we're achieving about a 20 to 30% reduction in those construction costs. And we believe that over time we can achieve a 50% reduction. But imagine what that means. That means someday your rent or your mortgage payment could be half. And that's our dream. Wow. And you're doing that with, uh, I mean, it makes sense in the apartment complex building a little bit versus the, you know, individual homes, I imagine, because you can probably be a lot more efficient when you're building, uh, building out these apartments. How do you do that? Are you building like modular construction type uh, projects or how are you reducing the cost of building? Yeah, there's so much to that, but to give you some sense of it, one of the big challenges in construction is you have a bunch of different companies coming together to work on a project, and then they all separate apart after that project is complete. You know, if you imagine for a moment, if a construction company were to produce a car, you'd have a different company installing the windshield, 
a different company installing the door and a different company installing the wheel. And of course, the wheel company, they would call you up and say, hey, I am so sorry. I got delayed on another project and I can't get out there for two weeks. Your line would be shut down. See, the world of manufacturing looks at us and says, you guys are crazy. But we respond with, this is the way things have always been, been done. So we brought all the work into one roof. That saved money because you get to save the subcontractor profits. But that enables us to use a bunch of other techniques. One crazy revolutionary technique is the assembly line. I know. It's crazy, right? <laughs> now, if you think about it for buildings, you can't take a building and drive it down the line. But what you can do is you can take the person and move them through the building. And so right now, our teams shift through the building by one unit about every five hours. So if you look at the end of our building, about every five hours, we have a brand new apartment unit completed. And that one technique takes a project that might be 15 months and drives it down to nine. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I've, I've uh, been involved in construction, you know, projects of my own, you know, building a, a house or what have you. And seeing uh, friends of mine that are that are builders, you know, and hearing all these nightmares you just talked about where mm -hmm. it's it's always okay, we've you know, you get the lot and you've got somebody to come clear the lot. And then it's another company that's going to come and, and, and get the, uh, you know, well, first you got to start with the permits and all of that. And then you're going to get the, the lot cleared. And then you're going to get, you know, the foundation poured by one company. Then you're going to get, some, you know, the electric, you know, whatever the steps are. I don't know the, 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 the flow off the top of my head, but every one of them is a separate company. And they are as you said, not only are they tied up waiting for that company to come do their job, then it's also the delay of of uh, pro, you know equipment. Rather, rather, uh, what am I looking for? The word equipment showing up. I mean, not equipment, but you know, the wood or the cement or the bricks or the you know the drywall. You know, is that available as well when the team is available? And so, with your uh, doing it in in volume like that, I can see how that's saving quite a bit of money. And at the end of the day, you're doing that to make it more affordable for the apartment uh, renters and for the investors. Talk talk about that. So I understand right now as you're you're looking for more funding, how is that? Uh, uh, how do you use that? And what's in it for the investor? Yeah, our dream right now is to scale up our production efforts. As I mentioned, our costs are about twenty to thirty percent less, so we actually generate a good amount of profit on each project that other developers simply can't touch. And what we are offering to investors right now is a pretty standard investment. You can put money into an account and lock it up between six months and five years, and you will earn up to 10% interest on your money. And if you look at something like the S&P 500, the stock market return, that is great. It's a good place to put your money. I have my own money there. But if you look at the historical returns that you will earn, not the average rate of return, but the actual amount of money that you can earn, you'll see about five to 6% where we're offering 10%. If you actually chart the two off, 
uh, that 10% far, uh, far beyond what the stock market can offer. And on top of that, it's really quite stable, right? Our returns are guaranteed by Norhart Invest. Now we're not FDIC insured, this is an investment, but we take a lot of steps to protect that money. And the biggest step that we take is we invest our own capital into these projects. If it turns out that one of our buildings ends up not doing that well, or we lose some value on that project, our money gets hit first. In fact, all of our money is used to protect investors. And so we actually don't make any money on Norhart Invest unless we repay our investors in full with their interest. So that's Norhart Invest. And we, uh, we're, we're getting just amazing investors coming on board to help us try to transform this industry. Now, Mike, you're a pretty young guy. If you're happy to be seeing this on video, you can see for yourself. Uh, how old are you, Mike? 36. And at 36, you built this company from, uh, tell us how that, tell us about that story though, of, you know, where you got involved. If I recall the conversation, uh, this was a family business that you uh, came in and took over and took it to a whole nother level. Uh, kind of walk us through that success story to inspire others that are listening in. Yeah, so uh, is this is a family business. I grew up with that. I lived on sites sweeping and uh, shoveling snow and uh, picking up nails off the ground. And in fact, uh, it was very small growing up and we lost everything at one point. My dad was in fact kidnapped in Peru. And uh, as a family, we started to rebuild this business back up. And then I went back off to college. And the thing that I knew going off to college was that I wanted nothing to do with the family business. And the reason this was, is I didn't want people to think it was given to me. I really wrestled with my own ego quite a, a bit during that time because my dad really wanted me to join this business. And what I realized deep down is that I wanted to make some kind of meaningful, positive impact in the world. And I could do that by taking this small business and growing it to something much larger that had that impact. So I jumped in, my dad and I, we doubled the size of the company in the first couple of years of working together. And then one day, unexpectedly, my dad passed away. One of the hardest moments of my life. And overnight, I became the CEO of this small organization. But, uh, but since then, through all the challenges, lots of hardship, lots of big difficulties, uh, we've since grown it substantially to what you mentioned earlier on, over a $200 million company today. And over a thousand built units. Now, one of the things that most people have, uh, you know, in building a business like this is cash flow issues. So I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, you build these units and you're not, are you selling them as well? Or it's all about, you know, building and renting. Generally, we do not sell them. What we do uh, to handle cash flow is for the most part, we take bank loans out on these projects. And actually up until the last year or so, it's been entirely bank debt. Again, our costs are so low, the banks will fund the entire project. And then we just generate 
initial uh, cash right out of, after we're done. In fact, oftentimes we can build it for less than the bank will give us in a loan. This is unheard of in the industry. Now, in the past year or so, it has changed because interest rates have risen. As a result, banks are giving less loan proceeds than they have before, which has given an opportunity for investors across the United States to get now get into the action. Um, but that's that's how we solve the cash flow is it's primarily bank debt and then no hard invest as well. And then you guys, yeah, you build it out for less than it costs to for the loan. So you've got that cash flow up front. And then you turn the apartment into a, a passive income rental yeah. uh, opportunity. Cool. Uh, well, that's pretty different, you know, very because uh, at least I have not heard of that real estate model, you know, a lot. It's it's typically, you know, build and sell mm. and uh, or speculate, you know, build and sell or or build complexes and sell them out. So this is at least for me anyway, I'm not, you know, used to or not a whole lot of involved in the apartment rental industry to see how that works. But this is quite an education, Mike. Thank you. Uh, back to your uh Tell me about the leadership required that, you know, again, building that team. And, and as far as staff is concerned, how, how big is your organization today? Yeah, we have about 200 or 250 employees. Um, but as far as leadership, you know, one of the most, actually probably the most important lesson that I've ever learned is to hire the best people. And when I say the best, I truly mean the best. We will fly people in from other states to come work during the week and fly them home on the weekend. We, uh, in 2007, Steve Jobs announces the brand new iPhone. Steve Jobs walks off stage and one of our employees walks on that same stage following Steve Jobs' announcement. And what's crazy is when you bring on people of this caliber, they change things. They make things happen that you had no idea were even possible. And if you want to change an industry, if you want to change the way things are done, you need people of that kind of caliber. Now, what I often get hear back as a response to that is, Mike, that sounds expensive. And you're right. When you look at it on a cost per person basis, it is expensive. Because you need to pay them top of market. You need to give world-leading benefits. But the thing most leaders fail to understand is that the top best performers outperform the average by two to five to ten times as much. So if you look at it instead from a perspective of cost per unit produced, your top performers are actually your least expensive. So for those who think they can't afford to hire the best, my response is you can't afford not to. Wow. That is, uh, I'm guilty of that often. And, you know, looking to uh, find out how, what's the, you know, instead of, you know, looking to save money on the next person we hire. So, and I could, I could, I've been guilty of that. So I could learn from what you're talking about right here. Go for that top, top producer. And it, you know, if it generates 10, 15, 20 times the output, you know, you definitely got your, uh, your money's worth. Uh, 
in doing that, build, building this business with a $200 million evaluation, what kind of obstacles along the way did you overcome? And like, what was some of the, uh, you know, what was one of the most challenging experiences that you overcame and how did you do it? Yeah, you know, with our rapid growth, it is constant being smacked in the stomach over and over and over again. And what's interesting is every step along the way, each new challenge is gnarly, big, awful. And you have to learn, adapt, change, pivot in order to master that challenge. But then after you get a few challenges down the road, you look at your old challenges and like, that's easy, right? But I'll give you one example. Uh, I mentioned earlier how my dad passed away. And overnight, I took on this company and we were working to get a project approved. And I was just kind of barely eking it through the city council. And I had screwed a few things up. I had not built the right relationships with the city council. So they were a bit at odds with me. But then when we got out to build, they actually shut me down twice. And the second time they shut me down, I'll never forget this. They brought me into the city hall sat me down in their offices and said, Mike, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You need to hire someone else to come manage the project. And until you do that, we're not letting you restart construction. I had already been struggling myself because I was just a pip squeak kid. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I had some experience in construction, but I was so fresh and new at this I didn't have the confidence in myself either. So we raced to find someone to fill that role in just three days, which is the worst way to hire. It did not work out well in the long term, but it was enough to get the city off of our backs so we could do the work behind the scenes. And I remember about a month before we were supposed to open, there was this water main buried 15 feet in the ground, more than a thousand feet long. And our water pressure test failed, meaning that somewhere in this pipe, there was a tiny pinhole water leak, and we had to find it. I remember being out there with the excavator, and the excavator wanted nothing more than to leave our site. So I stood out there with them from dawn to dusk every single day in my nice clothes, getting out there in the mud, digging around, looking for this leak. After a couple of weeks, we found the leak. And I remember just a few days before we were supposed to open, one of the city officials came on site and they looked around at our site and said, there's no way you are not opening this building. It's like, dude, what am I going to do? I got all these families about to move in. What am I supposed to tell them knowing that they don't have a place to stay? We ended up working through the night multiple days in a row. And the last day, they brought, about, brought out about a half dozen inspectors for a half-day inspection. They looked at every nook and cranny of that building. And I remember at the very end of the inspection, the head building official of the city brought me aside in the parking garage, and he said, Mike, I know we were hard on you. But honestly, looking at this building today, this is the nicest project that we've opened in this city.
Wow. Finally, right? Years of feeling not like I'm not good enough. Years of feeling like I can't do what needs to get done. And to finally have some confirmation that someone believes that we can actually do this was so powerful in my own life. Wow. And to do that, you obviously had to have a a bit of an organizational culture, or at least now, today, you do when you uh, everyone works for the organization versus all of the subcontracting. How do you, have you gone about building that that culture that, uh, or tell us about the culture that you have within your organization? Yeah, there's so much to that because at the end of the day, if you want the best performance. You don't just need people's hands. You don't just need them to walk around, do the work, execute on things. What you really need is their heart to give so you can get the best energy out of them. So in order to create that, you need to create the right environment of support in the, the kind of culture that you want with an organization. So how do you do that? I would say hands down, the number one thing is hire the right people. You mentioned earlier that you'd struggled with that yourself. We were terrible originally. In fact, we had, we had such the terrible hiring practices that once I understood this principle, we had, had to lay off most of our staff and rebuild from scratch. Now, one of the first things that we did was we recognized that it's very hard to hire people in construction as well as many other industries. And so if we were gonna find the best people, we needed to look at hiring differently. So what do we do? We ended up hiring 15 recruiters. We're only about a hundred person company at this point. We hired 15 recruiters. This is insane. Now there was ways we could kind of cut costs on that, but we hired great recruiters to help us start recruiting. And then what we did is we started mapping out all the companies in our region. We got some software to understand all the people working in those companies identify the best people at them and work to build relationships with them in advance of when we actually needed them to fill roles. Then because we started building on that pipeline, now we could be a lot more selective. In fact, now we're to the point between the pipeline and the fact we've won a number of awards for being a top workplace, we're now accepting not 50%, which is what we were before. We're now accepting 0.4% of applicants. To give you some perspective of that, Harvard accepts about 4%, so 10 times more than we have right now. So that hiring process is super important. Now, even with that, if you do a lot to hire the right people, get great interviews, get the right people on board, and have a good set of values that you're measuring people against, get all that in the right spot, we were still terrible at hiring. So what do we do to improve that even further? What we did is we introduced a trial period for most roles in our company, people get hired on into this trial period. They get paid, they're working with us. But at the end of two weeks, your coworkers make the decision whether or not you're hired or not within the company. And see, when you build a team of really high performers, do you know who does not want to work with B and C level players? It's the coworkers, right? It's those A players. And so they are incredibly selective. If you're not amazing in those two weeks, you will not make it past that trial period. Um, there is so much more I could go into, like values and purpose and mission. 
and even things like orientation and how we handle all that. But but getting that culture right is so important and you need to put a lot of time and attention. It doesn't happen automatically. It's an intentional thing that you need to build. Wow. Never heard of that idea where the team, you know, the I guess they survey a couple of weeks in of the rest of the crew. What do you think about Joe over here? Does he stay or does he go? And uh I, do they do they do that kind of anonymous anonymously or everybody is you know putting it on in, in writing a paper or vote of who stays who goes that kind of thing no it's not anonymous so the teams are pretty close and so the actually they're quite close um but they'll come together and they'll say hey you know this is what i saw look good here but i was a little concerned about this what do you think about that Another guy might hop in. Yeah, I saw that same concern, but this other thing happened that really made me think that concern is not a big issue. They'll go through the values, which we've got well-defined, and they actually, every single value, they ask, okay, how does this person feel that meet this particular value? And then what's really fun, so if it, if it doesn't go well, the, the team manager will actually talk to the employee and tell them the bad news. But if it goes well, what they do next is they bring that new hire in to the team and everyone goes around one by one and they share with that person what they specifically saw, why they like them and why they want that person on the team. Those are some of the coolest moments that happen within the company. And it's so bonding to have all your new coworkers tell you how awesome and how much they want you on the team and you're one of the very few that they've selected. Yeah, for the person that gets you know told that or what have you, they uh, that gives them a big a boost to their to their ego and to be a part of that team. Powerful yeah. part of it, building that uh, culture. Very interesting. Where did you get that idea from? Where did you learn about building a culture of that in that uh, in that way? Oh, there's so many sources. Um, we've taken a lot of ideas from a lot of different places. The trial period, in particular, that was our own idea. But uh, I've taken a lot of inspiration in general from um, Google and Netflix and the major companies that have had great success there. In fact, one of my favorite books of all time is No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings. Uh, he is the co-founder of Netflix and his perspective on how to build a great culture has been game-changing for me. It's time to wow, surprise, and impress your clients with the most powerful customer draw card available anywhere. The Marketing Boost Solution Show is brought to you by Marketing Boost, where you can get valuable travel and restaurant incentives to drive your leads from prospects to paying customers. Now you can offer complimentary hotel stays in over 130 destinations worldwide. Go to marketingboostsolutions.com and try it for free right now. Now, tell us about your advice on financial health and how to build financial wealth. Hmm. You know, I think the there's a few different things. One of the things that I have found really successful for my own life, and when I also, have, uh, you know, I've had a lot of uh, education in finance as well. But for most people, one of the best investments you can put your money into is simply the S&P 500, just the index uh, stock market fund. And what you want to do is you want to look for investments or these uh, ETFs that have a low expense ratio. 
Vanguard is one of them that has a very low expense ratio. Most financial advisors are set up in a way that they get paid if you invest in certain funds that give them additional money, right? And so they tend to give you advice that's that's good, but a little bit skewed. And I hate that about the industry. But the best is, is index funds in the broad market with the low expense ratios. Now, these advisors might say, hey, my fund performs better than average than the index fund. And if you look, historically, actively managed funds do that by, by just a little bit. But here's the thing they don't tell you, is that if you take into account the fees, they actually perform worse. And so much worse that you will likely, over the lifespan of your investments, you could lose out on something like a million dollars of retirement income by the end. Another game investors or companies often play is the average rate of return. Now, average rate of return is a real metric, but it inflates what it looks like you'll actually earn. So let's imagine for a moment if a fund earns 50% one year and loses 50% in the second year. If you average out positive 50% and negative 50%, that's zero. Your average rate of return is zero. Okay, I didn't lose any money. But is that right? Let's try it again. Let's say you start with $100. Year one, it goes up by 50%. So now you're at $150. Year two goes down by 50%. And now you're at $75. You've actually lost 25% over those two years. And so... People quote the S&P 500 and the stock market as average rates of return. You should never, ever do that because it will actually inflate the returns that you get. And that's why I mentioned earlier, the, the, you'll often hear people say, stock market gives you like 8 or 10% on average. That might be true, but that's not what's going to show up in your bank account. Or even worse, somebody might say the stock market returned 30% last year implying that you'll get 30% next year. Again, that's not true. And so the, the actual rate of return that you typically will see will be between that 5 and 6%, which is why we're so excited to launch a product like Norad Invest, where the rate you see is the rate you'll earn. That 10% is something you actually get. Now, one last little tidbit is diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I would love to get all your invested dollars Promise, like, that'd be wonderful. Don't do it, right? You want to spread out your investment over a variety of different places. This is why ETFs are so powerful, because they do that automatically for you. But just by spreading out your investment, the way the math works out, you'll actually take on less risk for higher returns. So more of the story, uh, index funds, diversification, and uh, avoid hidden fees. Awesome advice there. Um, Mike, I'm going to pull up your uh, one of your websites here that we can glance at real quick together. Let me share my screen. And let's take a look at that. So we're looking at noheart.com. This is one of the Norhart. places. Norhart. I'm sorry. Norhart. 
norhart.com, one of the places that we can find out more information, folks, about uh, uh, Mike's uh, company, about the apartments, the design and build, residence, anything in here you'd specifically like to guide folks to uh, look at here when they're looking yeah. for Yeah. So if you click on invest, that's where you can learn more about the investment opportunities we've talked about today. Right. And uh, yeah, so it's a great place to learn more. There's some videos and information that you can see there. Uh, and then another thing that people might find interesting is our shows. So we have a few different shows. One on there is called Fearless Unicorn. It's when my daughter started where we filled a truck full of candy and uh, delivering it to the neighborhood, which is kind of fun. Um, but my favorite show is actually Zero to Unicorn. It's about the journey of small business growing $2 billion scale. And season one was our story, but season two, we're actually interviewing other guests. And one of my favorite guests was Michael Usland. He's the executive producer and the originator of Batman. And he was able to eke by with a few investors the, to be able to buy the movie rights to Batman when he was fairly young. But then he went to go submit that to the studios and everyone told him no. Everyone slammed the door in his face saying that there's no way, there's no way that anyone wants to see a dark and serious Batman movie. In fact, he got no for 10 years. People told him to give it up. They let it go and to move on for 10 years. But after 10 years, he was eventually able to get permission to make the Batman movies. And that started the whole genre of super, uh, super, super villain, not villains, superhero movies uh, yeah. that you see today. And so this goes to show that if you're trying something new, trying to change the industry, don't give up, keep pushing forward and you'll eventually see success. That's powerful. Uh, so I was looking at your uh, investment page, and let's see if I find that again. Um, let's go back to invest. And so here you've got a calculator that shows, in other words, you pay out uh, after you invest 60 months later. Is that correct? So, Yeah, you can select your term between six months and five years, and then you and that determines your interest rate. And then you can also select your amount. And I'll right, tell so you how much you'll earn. So if I put $10,000 into this uh, example, I put 12 months, I get back 10,800. If I go ahead and leave it for the 60 months, that $10,000 investment turns into 16,117. Yeah, um, and, and over the lifetime of saving for retirement, it's huge. Like the difference between earning 10% versus maybe a 6%, it's millions of dollars for most people. Absolutely. Yeah, turn that to a hundred thousand and take a look at that. You know, I mean, uh, what did I put in a million rather? Let's see, yes, hundred thousand. You got one hundred sixty-one coming back within that period of time. It's a big, the big difference there with uh, with that investment growing over time. Um, so more about where to find you, Michael. I know we can go to your LinkedIn page at um, Mike Kading dot uh, on LinkedIn. You can search for him here. And then back to his website, it was norhart.com, N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. 
and that is in the uh, show notes down below. Folks, if you like the content as much as I have today, please uh, give us a like, share, make some comments below, and or subscribe to our podcast. Um, Mike, before we wrap it up, tell me a little bit more about uh, uh, your, you know, one of the things that I've looked at your website and I was reading about it is that the the rent that we see for those that are renters, the, the rent isn't the total that they'll typically pay. So what are some of the tips and tricks to avoid paying more than they should when it comes to apartment rental? Oh, interesting. Yeah. So uh, a few different tips. And we're often on the news for this, uh, especially like Los Angeles. But one way you can save some money on uh, rent is to look for new buildings that are opening up. And the reason this is, is new buildings often need to try to fill up that building relatively quickly. Their investors are hounding the property management staff to fill the buildings. And so here's the trick, is that if you ask for it, oftentimes the leasing staff will give you free months rent for moving into an apartment. They often give the best promotions you see out there and they're the nicest properties. Another one is uh, at and, and when these, they're new, they everything is yeah everything is new. They got the maintenance crews still. They got everything, <laughs> you know. Whereas you're gonna you're gonna have to if there's any issues, there's teams around usually when the building is new, which may not be as many staff down the road. I would imagine as far as maintaining and keeping everything up to par. So when they're new, they're gonna you're, they're gonna jump for you quickly. Yeah, and then another tip is at least renewal. If uh, as lease renewals come up, you often think this is just the offer. I just have to pay this amount. But the reality is that's negotiable. And what uh, if a property management company thinks that you're going to move out, it is far cheaper for them to offer you some kind of discount off of what they're offering than for you to move out. The trick is to be pretty confident, to, you know, tell them, hey, I'm going to move out. This is too high. Uh, just checking those, anything you can do to uh, lower this amount. Now, one thing you can almost always get is if there is any current promotions or if the rents are lower online for new residents moving in, that is a huge lever point. You have to go back to that property management company and say, you should at least give me these amounts. Now, the property management company side is they're trying to pressure you because they think that you don't want to move, that it's hard for you to move. And so they can charge you more now that they quote unquote got you. And so that's the game that's played. If you know how to play it, you can save a fair amount of money. Good advice. Good advice. Uh, Michael, before anything else you'd like to uh, end with here for folks to, you know, Think about obviously we're we're we want to promote uh, investing as an opportunity to invest in your company if, and uh, but what else would you like to finish up with here? You know I'll leave one last thing for the listeners and that is anytime we start something new we're terrible at it and as a kid it's it's okay right we can't walk we can't talk we can't ride a bike. No one's upset with us and we're brave and we're like, yeah, we're learning. We're excited for each new stage. But there's something that happens to us as an adult where we start to think that if we try something new, we better be good at it, if not great at it, 
right out of the gate. And so this, this causes us to hesitate and really push in the envelope on things. But here's the thing. There's this interesting study that was done that compared people that uh, two different groups. One group was supposed to make one really great clay pot. And the second group was told to make as many clay pots as they possibly could. Well, after the experiment was done, the group that made the single clay pot, yes, it was a good clay pot. And it was better than the second group's first pots. But here's the crazy thing. That second group, their later clay pots were so far better than the group that just did one. So my encouragement to you is to get out there and just try. It is totally okay and normal to fail. You want to fail, you fail fast and repeat and repeat and repeat because it's through that process of skinning your knee a few times that you eventually achieve mastery. That's how you get to greatness. Mike, that was powerful. Thank you. I really like that ending line there. I'm going to have to maybe edit that and repeat it several times at the end of the show. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, guys, uh, for listening. Really appreciate your attendance on today's podcast. Again, if you like the content, we'd ask you to subscribe. Make some comments below. Take a look at the link so you can read more about Mike and take action uh, on investing. And uh, take note again of the testimonial, you know, how to use Marketing Boost incentives yourself. If you're first time hearing about Marketing Boost, go to marketingboostsolutions.com. You can get a free account with no credit card required even just to test some of our some of our product. It's not the entire library of incentives, but you get a chance to see what we're all about. Marketingboostsolutions.com and get a free account with no credit card required, or you can get a paid version for only $37 a month. And as Mike pointed out at the beginning, one of the things that blew his mind, Mike, didn't you say something about it? It's amazing that you can give away these high perceived value incentives and they don't cost you really anything. Exactly. It's amazing from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, you can give away a five-night trip to Cancun, and it's costing you $37 a month. Now, if you're listening for the first time, they don't include airfare, don't include food and beverage, and don't include government taxes and fees. And that's what we teach you, how to disclose that to your end user, whoever's getting your incentive. You just simply tell them, hey, I'm going to give you the five nights at a luxury hotel in Cancun, for example. Of course, you got to find your own way there. You don't include airfare, don't include food and beverage or government taxes and fees. But Mike, that's, uh, again, thank you so much for being on our show and some great insight, great ideas. Folks, if you've got some money to invest, this is looks is a, this is a great opportunity here. Uh, go to one last time, Mike, where do we go to find this? Norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com. Again, thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode, folks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marketing Booth Solutions Podcast with your hosts, Captain Marco Torres. Now it's on you. Take the next step now. Go to marketingboothsolutions.com for more on how you can wow, delight, and surprise your clients with the most amazing draw card on the planet. So stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty for knowledge. See you next time.